0: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, April 5th, 2015. It is Easter Sunday and tomorrow Duke is playing in the national championship game against Wisconsin. Uh, I am your host this week, Sam Klein. I am here uh, with my normal colleagues. I've got Jason Evans on the phone. Jason, how are you?
1: Oh, I am doing very, very, very nicely today.
0: And uh, sitting next to me is our other co-host, Donald One.
2: Yo, we're we're in Indianapolis and we're staying for two more days. It's gonna be great. Uh, so, as I mentioned, I'm
0: I'm sitting next to Donald this week. Um, we are we are recording under historic circumstances as two of the uh, hosts of this show have finally gotten to meet each other. Uh, I'm sitting here in Donald's apartment in Washington D.C. It's lovely. Uh, he's got he's got a great Duke University class of 2004 banner hanging up uh, over the entrance to his closet, so that's nice. He's got the Coach K bobblehead. Uh, he's got a bunch of Miami stuff, some soccer things. He's, it's decorated exactly the way that I would have expected it to be, but it, it it's, it's neat to see it sort of in person. Uh, so let's get to the game from last night. Uh, Duke took out Michigan State. It was an 81-61 to 61 blowout. Uh, Duke was up by 11 at the end of the first half, and they sort of just cruised uh, to the end. So I will start with the man on the couch, Donald. What did you like about Duke's performance last night against, against Michigan State? <laughs>
2: uh, everything. Everything. Uh, being from Michigan I grew up a Michigan fan so uh, my timeline was eerily quiet for the entire night which was great except for all the Duke fans just showing out which I loved Uh, you know everybody had a great game Um, we started out you know slow and that was because Michigan State was really hitting everything Uh, I think they hit their first four threes of the game including uh, uh, Denzel Valentine who just went off for the first you know five minutes of the game but you know, I was at the watch party with, with Duke D.C. last night and we were like, they can't shoot 100 percent for the entire game. So we're OK. And it was really we just kind of crept back, crept back, crept back. And then when, once Ja had the uh, putback slam uh, to put us up 18 to 16, it was on and everybody was playing hard. Everybody was playing for each other. Uh, we really just took off from there. and We never looked back. It was you know, we led by 11 at the half, as Sam said. And uh, we were, you know. Coasting pretty clear once we hit the under eight mark uh, left in the game. I believe they had a point where they went uh, from 6 one left in the first half till about uh, 17 minutes left in the game where they didn't score a single point. And that was ridiculous. Or it was, I'm sorry, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a, a field goal. They hadn't scored a field goal. Um, but that is just tremendous defense. And once again, our defense showed up uh, when it mattered the most. Uh, key, key, uh, uh, players I thought were justice. Of course, uh, justice had 19 points, nine boards, eight of them offensive, which was something that, you know, was a stat that we had talked about last week before the game would be very key. We out-rebounded Sparty, uh, 36 to 33. Um, the last game I believe we were out-rebounded by Sparty, even though we won by 10. Um, they also don't turn the ball over that much and we forced 14 turnovers, which we turned into a lot of points. Um, I don't know the exact number, but that was also a pretty good key. Uh, ja was a monster underneath. He had 18 points, six boards, two blocks, and was 4-7 from the free throw line. So, once again, our free throw shooting uh, was very good. Um, it didn't affect the outcome of the game um, so much as it, there was there weren't many clutch free throws. But we were making them when we were getting to the line. We were getting to the line a lot. We had 37 free throw attempts. We made 27 of them. So, those are my, those are my takeaways. Uh, Jason, what about you?
1: I want to talk about the defense. Um, oh, my goodness. It is like you're watching a team that, that we didn't see the rest of the season, earlier in the season. What, what Duke has become in the NCAA tournament is um, uh, close to a defensive juggernaut. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that we are what Virginia and Kentucky um, were, not are, were <laughs> on defense. Those aren't playing anymore. Those teams are not playing anymore. I'm not going to say we're, we're what they were. Were, but my goodness, uh, this team plays like a team and, and is playing as good defense as I've seen from a Duke club, um, certainly since the uh, national champions back in 2010. Um, really, really fun to watch. Uh, I noticed that once again, we have moved up in Pomeroy's defensive rankings. People have been really making a big deal out of this, and they really should. Uh, we were in the mid-60s when the tournament started. We had risen all the way to number 17 as of the final four. Uh, Last night's effort against Michigan State, we're now the 12th best defensive team in the country over the course of the entire season, according to Ken Pomeroy. I think there's little question that we are, uh, you know, number one, number two, something like that uh, in the NCAA tournament in terms of defensive ranking. And uh, it's really, really been impressive. Uh, Michigan State scored 14 points in four minutes in the first half which is, you know, a huge number. They were really hot, like Donald m- mentioned. They scored a total of 47 points in the next 36 minutes. <laughs> That's not going to get it done. That's not a lot. Um, they hit five of their first seven field goals. They hit three out of 20 field goals for the rest of the first half. Three of 20. That's 15% if you can do that math. I, I mean, they're- they're- they- Michigan State averaged 0.79 points per shot in the first half. Uh, just a dreadful, dreadful number. And that includes the 14 points in four minutes they scored at the beginning. Really, really impressive on D. And that's a team effort kind of thing. Our guards are are pressuring the ball, not allowing teams to get balls in places that they want it. And then uh, Okafor has, has really become an excellent defender, I think. He's doing a great job moving his man off of the spot where his man wants to be, providing help defense. Um, getting hands on balls and picking up steals. I-, I thought Duke was outstanding at that in the floor. Uh, on offense, I-, I was amazed. We put up 81 points last night. We only hit two three-pointers. That's the lowest number of three-pointers we've hit in a game all season long. We were just two of 10 from three. We curb stomped Michigan State while only hitting two out of 10 three-pointers. Usually when Duke beats the, you know, heck out of a team, it's because we're raining down threes from the perimeter and it- and that combined of things that we do The sort of the threes are the uh, you know that's the that's the fungible part of it duke does other things really well and then if they're hot from the outside you just say okay forget it we're done well duke was not hot from the outside didn't take a lot of three-pointers mostly drive the ball to the basket um grayson allen has become very aggressive taking the ball to the basket certainly tyus jones quinn cook and justice winslow are going to be doing nothing but penetrating all game long trying to probe the defense uh, and had tremendous success doing that kind of thing, uh, but for us to score eighty-one points while only hitting two threes, guys, isn't that shocking?
0: Yeah, I uh, I, I saw a comment from Tom Izzo, and I'm trying to find it now. Um, that that basically was like we thought that if we could limit Duke's uh, Duke's chances from three, that that we'd be okay, uh, and if we and if we were able to attack Okafor uh, and hold him under twenty points, and they did those things, and we won by twenty. <laughs> Uh, do you want it? Are you uh, are you finished with your with your glowing review, Jason?
1: Well, I mean, I, I've, I've got more I could say. Uh, uh, you know, one thing I do want to point out, you mentioned Tom Izzo. Uh, he's now one and nine in his career against Duke. Tom Izzo, an absolute Hall of Famer, um, you know, considered uh, way up there alongside Krzyzewski and a few other guys as the best coaches in the game that's, uh, right now. He's now one and nine in his career versus Duke. And it's not like bunch of games played in the past and then only recently have they played against each other we seem to play these guys almost every year and almost every year Michigan State loses and usually they, it's not all that competitive I mean there have been some close ones but usually we're curb stomping them the way we did last night someone said on Twitter that they heard Izzo yelling in the locker room that I'm sick of losing to these guys <laughs> I'm sure he's very sick of playing us but uh, again talking about Izzo I wanted to mention the one sort of A little bit controversial thing about the game, which is Izzo, uh, you know, went on a little bit of a referee rant in the post-game locker room, uh, sorry, post-game press conference. Um, Duke shot 37 free throws, Michigan State shot 16, and um, Izzo in the post-game press conference kept on saying, you know, I'm I'm not going to say, I'm not going to blame it on the refs. I'm not going to say that the refs did anything wrong, but. And then he'd bring out some stat that basically said or bring out some opinion that basically said that he thought the referees were the reason that Michigan State lost. Um, And and, and I'm sure you saw on the broadcast when Brandon Dawson picked up his third foul um, and then his fourth foul immediately after the third foul was was a really tough call. Izzo was going bonkers. The third foul was the one where um, Justice Winslow sort of tripped while driving the ball. And, and they called Dawson for a foul. I, I, I'm not sure that was a great call, or I'm not sure that was even a good call. Um, but, uh, you know, it happens. The fourth foul where uh, only seconds later, Dawson absolutely raked his hands across Tyus Jones's hands. Uh, was no question about it a foul. But if anyone falls in the trap of thinking and believing Tom Izzo that, that Duke won this game because they won it at the free throw line, because Duke had a 19 free throw advantage on Michigan State, that that's completely wrong. Michigan state is a very physical team. They do a ton of holding a ton of reaching. Um, They picked up a boatload of fouls, trying to prevent open layups, which would have been two pointers. I I couldn't even count in the second half. Duke seemed to get to the rim almost at will. And Michigan state was like, well, I'm not going to give you a layup. I'm going to make you shoot free throws. And we did a nice job of hitting them. Um, uh, But Duke's a team that takes the ball to the hole. And when you do that, you tend to get fouled. And uh, I, I thought it was sort of bad form on Tom Izzo's fault. Uh, on Tom Izzo's part, I should say, to uh, to be criticizing the referees so much. Um, I, I hope that you know he hasn't gotten in the ear of the refs uh, in advance of the Wisconsin game. I think Wisconsin will also try and play us very physical because Wisconsin has no chance from a quickness standpoint of staying in front of Duke. But that's for a little while later on. Sam, what were you thinking about the game?
0: Yeah. So I, okay, I, I, in, during that, I found the quote. Um, and this was from the Washington Post recap of the game this morning. It says, uh, Izzo said, we thought if we could hold Okafor under 20 points and take away their threes as he trailed off, Duke only made two of 10 from beyond the three-point arc. Izzo quote again, we did just what we wanted to do, to be honest with you. So, like you said, he's he's probably very tired of losing to us. Um, Normally, this is the sort of game that he loses to North Carolina, which is the one late in the tournament. Um, You know, when... Normally when we get to play Michigan State, it's, it's early in the season in, in the Champions Classic or in the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge or something like that. And, and we know that Izzo's teams take a while to get going before, they, before they're sort of rolling into March the way that they always do and like they, like they did this year. Um, so I'm sure that this is frustrating, especially because it happened late in the season, which isn't normally when we see them. I did want to highlight a couple things. Uh, we talked about Travis Trice a lot in the preview last week. Uh, which I could only sort of hear uh, given given my connection issues. but Travis strike scored 16 points on 13 shots. Um, that's pretty good <laughs> given given the way he normally scores, he only made six baskets um, and he he was uh, two for seven from three. I think that when we talk about how well the defense played yesterday for Duke that it started up there with us being able to limit his ability um, to, to to score the ball. Um, and everything kind of flowed from there. We also, uh Jason especially, I think, mentioned Jolly Okafor and and how good he played on defense. It was great yesterday to see how quickly we went to him on offense and that the offense flowed through him, I think for the first time really in the tournament. Um we haven't seen uh you know, peak Jolly Okafor on the offensive end, I think since the tournament started until last night. And that has to scare Wisconsin um, because he was a huge part of the of the win back in November against them. Uh, I think that was the point where everyone was like, oh my God, Jaleel Okafor is better than we thought he was going to be. Um, so that was great to see him playing like that last night. I'm sure that once Bo Ryan gets to watching the tape because he claims that he hadn't, he didn't even know that Duke won the game last night until his game, uh, we, which we can get to, but he's gonna he's going to see the game tape from last night and be like, Crap, it's gonna be the same dudes doing the same things to us they did in November. Uh, so that was great for Okafor and then you know, he 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 ends up with 18 points. Um, but it felt like his effect uh, was much greater than that on on the offensive side of the floor. Um, I i, I love the way we move the ball around, and we haven't. I, you you mentioned Grayson Allen. I don't think we have yet talked about how awesome it was when Grayson Allen missed the three, got his rebound and then slammed it back in the second half. Yeah, I, thought that, I thought that that was the um, sort of that moment of the game when the Michigan State guys were like, uh fine. You know, we, we tried, but this isn't going to you know, if, if Duke's going to make shots like that, uh, this isn't happening for us tonight. Um, Michigan State didn't get. Uh, closer than 13 in the second half and like I said we started with an 11 point lead so it was up to it went up to I think a little over 20 for parts of it back down to like it was is around 13 or 15 I think or around 15 for most of the second half um, before we pulled away at the end a little bit more um, but this game never felt in doubt uh, after that that first TV timeout and I even felt I don't know what you guys were thinking at that TV timeout when Michigan State went on that uh, that sort of blitz to start the game but I was like you know what Every, every game like this so far this year Duke has calmly showed back up and and caught up Michigan State was at 16 when we took the lead for good uh I think so or or something close to that yeah um, yeah so yeah, they, 18-16, yeah was. it was 1816 and then and that was the that was the last time that Michigan saw saw the lead uh, in the game very happy uh, about uh,
1: it. you know uh, let, let me really quick I was surprised at how calm I was <laughs> when Michigan state went up 14 to I think it was 14 to four, 14 to six, something like that. Yeah, um, I, I would, yeah, I was, I was amazed how calm I was because, and I think it, it shows sort of, uh, you know, how this team has impacted all of our psyches <laughs> that I did not get really, uh, worried, um, when Michigan state came out and and hit their first four, three pointers and, uh, I, I, you know, a plus a two, um, uh, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to, to feel that way when your team, when things aren't going well for you, I don't know if I'll feel the same against Wisconsin, but <laughs> you mentioned Travis Trice, um, a friend emailed me. I just had to bring this up. Uh, and, uh, and if you have little children listening to the podcast, you, you may want to cover their ears for a moment. Travis Trice, um. Uh, was uh, bent over at one point in the second half, recovering from an accidental nut shot.
0: Oh no, um, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs>
1: from Tyus Jones, it was t- completely accidental. We all know that, and, but... and
0: it looked like it looked like just the slightest touch, which is the worst.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, so the announcers, you know, sort of made a couple of allusions to the fact that uh, Travis's family jewels had been compromised, and uh, and they were going on trying to talk about other stuff while the whole world was watching Travis Trice trying to readjust his balls. And um, Grant Hill, um, Grant Hill was talking about the game. He wasn't talking about Travis Trice, and he said, "You got to value the ball." <laughs> I, just, I, I laugh. that is funny. That's some funny stuff. So um, it,
0: it was it, it it was exactly what was happening to Michigan State the whole game, just encapsulated in that moment.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I,
0: it, I, I, I wanted to note. I'm now looking at the um, at the game play by play. Coming out of that TV timeout when we were down fourteen to six, um, Okafor made a layup in the the ensuing possession, and then Michigan State uh, didn't score again until after the next TV timeout, which happened uh, like four and a half minutes later. Michigan State played really, really well um, for that first like five minutes, and then it's like it all it all crumbled beneath them. Um, So I I, I was really pleased with that performance last night. I think that we have said our piece about Michigan State, um, so maybe before we get to the Duke-Wisconsin National Championship game. Maybe we can talk a little bit about how Wisconsin got to the National Championship game, which was upending uh, 38-0, now 38-1 Kentucky, um, a game that the Cats went into, I think, maybe feeling a little bit more confident than they should have. Uh, we read a lot about how Wisconsin um, this week was was very excited to play Kentucky. They've been looking forward to this all season. They have They have wanted this game. Um, they lost to them last year in the final four and they have been waiting for that revenge. Uh, it feels unfortunately for Duke, maybe a little eerily similar to the way that Duke felt about UNLV, uh, going into the 1991 season. And we know how that ended up, um, for Duke and UNLV in 91. Uh, so maybe I'll start with Jason this time. Uh, what were your takeaways from the Kentucky, Wisconsin game? Um, maybe not focus as much on what we're looking for in Wisconsin, but just, just kind of you know, as a fan watching that game, I at least personally, I I, I talked to Donald about this before we recorded that at that point, it didn't really matter who was going to win. We were playing in the game and and we were going to have to play whoever was better between Kentucky and Wisconsin. So it didn't it didn't factor to me. Um, but Jason, what were your takeaways from that awesome second semifinal game?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a fabulous game, clearly um, a, a better, more competitive, more exciting game than than the Duke game was, uh, I, you know, I, I, and. A lot of Duke fans that I'm friends with, um, I was getting text messages and emails and things like that after we won. um, And every one of them seemed to be peppered with, who do we want? Who do we want? And almost everyone seemed to say, eh, you know, I'm not sure I care all that much. Um, Because a lot of people, even before the game started, were saying, you know, I think Wisconsin is every bit as good a team as Kentucky. They'll be every bit as difficult to defeat. Kentucky has this aura because they're 38-0 and and – uh, and and huge congrats to Kentucky for for uh, for an amazing amazing season. Oh, but
0: don't do that to them.
1: Well, hang on. But but Harrison
0: is staring at you from the uh, from the <laughs> from the podium at the postgame press conference with his eyes glazed over. He's not happy. <laughs>
1: uh, no, but seriously, but. Uh, uh, but I don't know if you gave wisconsin Kentucky's schedule, if Wisconsin wouldn't have been 38-0. I don't know if you gave Duke-Kentucky schedule that we wouldn't have been 38-0 or darn close to it. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Wisconsin and Duke have been playing better basketball than Kentucky for the pretty much the entire NCAA tournament. Uh, I mean, um, so I, I wasn't surprised at the result of the game. Um, I thought Wisconsin did... An excellent job of dealing with Kentucky's length. They Wisconsin mostly kept the ball on the perimeter, and when they tried to go the hole, they tried to not go the hole against multiple Kentucky defenders. Obviously, Wisconsin is able via Frank Kaminsky to bring um, one of Kentucky's shot blockers away from the basket, um, and and that's a very important thing. And, and to be honest, that's something that Duke's not going to be able to do because Julie Okafor's not going to go outside the same way Frank Kaminsky does. I, I thought Bo Ryan absolutely 150% outcoached John Calipari. Uh, I'm not, I, I couldn't necessarily tell you what Kentucky's big plan was on offense. I, I thought I, I I'm shocked that Devin Booker, who most people say is going to be, you know, right around mid lottery kind of pick um, was used very little by Kentucky. Um, didn't take a three pointer, even though he's the absolutely the, the best three point shooter on that team. Kentucky thought they were going to win because they thought they're supposed to win. They thought they were going to win because they thought that, you know, Notre Dame had gotten lucky to be that close to them. And I think most astute basketball observers looked at that Notre Dame game and said, like I said to you guys last week, well, this proves that the third best team in the ACC or one of the good teams in the ACC is basically equal to Kentucky because Notre Dame and Kentucky was a very, very even matchup. And to me, uh, you know, I I heard some guys on the radio talking, uh, you know, in the pregame, talking about whether if Wisconsin beat Kentucky, it would be the same as when Duke beat UNLV. And they all said in 1991, they all said, absolutely not. No way that that 1991 UNLV team was curb stopping everyone, was destroying everyone, and no one gave Duke a chance in that game. And the announcer said, absolutely, everyone thinks Wisconsin has a chance in this game and doesn't believe that this Kentucky team is nearly as good as that UNLV team was. And I think that some people were tricked by their record into thinking that Kentucky was unbeatable. And – um. Though they had not lost, I was certain they were not—they—they they were beatable, I should say. Um, and uh, uh, props to Wisconsin for going ahead and getting it done. Um, Sam Decker, uh, you know, I don't know—are we talking yet about Duke versus Wisconsin? Because if we are, I gotta talk about Sam Decker. But we can wait okay. on that, and, and we can enjoy Kentucky's Whatever, loss a little bit while longer. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I'm gonna enjoy Kentucky's loss a little bit longer. Um, we, right. in the post game. Kentucky did not handle things well in the post game. <laughs> Andrew Harrison muttered a racial slur. Did you guys hear about this? Uh, yep,
0: I, I I was listening to it last night on repeat uh, and really yeah. just savoring that moment.
1: Yeah. It, now uh, Harrison later apologized on Twitter for um call, hey. calling Frank Frank Ooh. the N word. He called him the N word. Um, and there was sort of a mini riot in Lexington. About thirty people were arrested and and they burned a bunch of cartons of of natural light beer. Uh, frankly, if you're going to burn something, I think natural light's probably the way to go. Yeah, Kentucky did not handle um, Kentucky didn't handle the loss very well. All right, I, I've rambled about it long enough. It was enjoyable, by the way, to watch Big Blue Nation go down. Um, I hate those guys. I hate those guys. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here smiling. I'm smiling very, very wide right now because. Uh, there are 351 teams in division one and 349 of them are finished and Duke is not finished and Kentucky is finished. All right. You guys take it for a little bit. You guys do the Kentucky thing.
2: Donald hit us with Kentucky thoughts. So I was watching the game last night. Uh, I watched the first half after the watch party and you know, the question was asked, who do you want to see Wisconsin or Kentucky? And I was like, you know, just like I told Sam beforehand, I don't really care when the national championship, you know, one of these teams is going to play, but you know, if we play Wisconsin, then, yeah, I think we have a chance to beat them. If we play Kentucky, it would be so sweet to send them home, and I would be that dude in Chicago next year when we play them in the Champions Classic with a 39-1 and one shirt that says Duke's the one on the back. Uh, naturally, Wisconsin foiled those plans, and I'm absolutely ecstatic about that because uh, I think that they were the better team uh, all year. Um, I think, like you said, that they're, that Kentucky's undefeated record made everybody think that they were invincible, and they clearly weren't. We saw that several times during the year where they had a lot of close calls. And we saw kind of the true colors come out. Like last night, Willie Cauley-Stein only had two points. When you're, you know, getting – when you're sitting there talking about how you deserve more credit for being national player of the year, uh, and you go up against the dude who's one of the candidates for national player of the year, you should score more than two points. Frank Kaminsky had 20 and Willie Cauley-Stein had two. I think edge Wisconsin in that one. And, uh, you know, also a lot of the guys that they count on on their bench that usually come in and provide uh, a lot of backup firepower uh, didn't do anything. Uh, Dakari Johnson, zero points. Marcus Lee, zero points. Uh, Trey Lyles who started, only got nine points. And Devin Booker, six points. Um, and so this is, you know, these are the guys that over the year, the White Platoon and the Blue Platoon, if one was faltering, the other one was was clicking. And and last night, neither of them clicked. Carl uh, Anthony Towns played pretty well, and the Arison Twins played okay. Um, but they, you know, they just didn't have it. And Wisconsin it was clearly jacked up for this game. And uh, you know, I, I we hark back to the similarities between that and us in in 1991. And you're right, it is a little different. I did see some similarities, but it is different because this is something that they have wanted the entire year. Wisconsin has been talking about a, a chance to beat Kentucky all season long. And, you know, obviously they're going to come out fired up for the national championship game. But, I mean, I know their fans were asking me last night, do you think that they're that they're emotionally drained from this game because they got the matchup that they wanted and they, and they conquered, you know, the, the big beast of Kentucky? Um, will they have a letdown? And, you know, I'm not expecting a letdown, but that is a question that, probably their fans are asking a little bit this morning after pinching themselves when they woke up and saying, Hey, we're in the national championship game. But, uh, well, you know,
1: if you go back to 91, just really quick, um, Duke, after beating UNLV, um, did not play a very good game, didn't play a great game against Kansas and was very fortunate that Kansas, um, uh, Kansas was, you know, was a real step below Duke, uh, at that point. Um, and uh, and so we managed to win, even though I think we, we didn't play a, a, a great game. Um, uh, I, I think it's a very different situation, obviously, for Wisconsin. Wisconsin has slayed the great Kentucky beast, the great undefeated beast, um, but they are, Wisconsin is now facing a team that everyone agrees is every bit their equal, um, and I think it could be really hard for them to maintain the energy. I mean, Duke, Duke had a far more relaxing Final Four semifinal than Wisconsin did.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, one thing, just to harp on, they uh, after the game, none of the players shook hands with uh, none of the Kentucky players shook hands with Wisconsin. Um, they all left the court. The only person really that was shaking hands was Calipari uh, and his coaching staff. But a lot, most of the players, beeline for the locker room. They were not having any part of that. That you know, so you know, being a part of that. So uh, you know, they didn't really show a lot of class uh, in doing that. But uh, shocking, shocking. Yeah. Yeah. You can see. I mean, Sam can see the shock on my face, Um, but it's, you know, they expected that Wisconsin would come in and, you know, they would start out hot and then they would roll over and die. And Wisconsin didn't. And they're the first team all year that really didn't. I mean, Notre Dame showed showed flashes of it, but they're the first team all year that basically what Kentucky said, we're not scared of you. We're better than you and here and we're going to show you right now and you know a lot of t- other teams that they've played this year they may think oh yeah we have a chance to beat them but they always had the doubt that Kentucky was going to come back in the end and beat them and Wisconsin didn't and, and they're the national championship so it's going to be a really good game on Monday but I will, I'll pass along to Sam on the couch
0: well we uh, uh you know you, you talked about the the sort of classiness situation going on at, at Kentucky and and Cal Perry's just looking ahead to the NBA draft where I don't know how many of his guys are going to get drafted, but if it's at least five of them, uh, we know from his past experience that that will be the greatest day in Kentucky basketball history when at least five of his players get drafted in the first round, uh, which I believe is what he said after the, the 2011 season or 2012 season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I remember those comments sort of rankling the the Kentucky fan base like, hey, you know, the, the point here is for – is for us to enjoy the players while they're here and to win national championships, not to see what they, you know, it's good if they, if they go to the NBA and everything, um, it's not the point. And, and I think that that attitude, while it has worked for Calipari, I mean, he's, he's made it to a bunch of final Fours since he's been there. Uh, and his team has been very successful. Um, we saw that attitude come out last night. The, the point of being here is going to the draft attitude, um, where, you know, I, I agree. I don't think that they took Wisconsin as seriously as they should have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even though Wisconsin has been has been, you know, arguably the best team in the country uh, the last couple of weeks of the season, you know, along with along with Duke and and Kentucky. Um, so I, I don't think Kentucky was ready for them. Um, they didn't they didn't appreciate how hard Wisconsin was going to fight. And even when Kentucky went up, I think by four four points late game, you know, you could see from them. They were like, all right, well, now we're going to win. We got the lead late in the game and that's going to be it. Uh, and it wasn't. I wanted to highlight. um Normal. So, uh, according to the, their ESPN pages, Kentucky is 21st uh, in the country this year in rebounds per game, and Wisconsin is 204th. The rebounding margin last night was Wisconsin 34 to Kentucky 22, including 12 offensive rebounds for Wisconsin. Um, you know, a lot of Kentucky's game is built around not necessarily shooting well, but getting the boards um, and getting those putbacks. Kentucky shot 48% last night from the field and lost the game. Um, because Wisconsin shot forty-eight percent as well, but got all their misses and and put them back. Um, so we saw we saw an outstanding performance from Wisconsin on the boards, especially keeping Kentucky off the boards. Um, yeah, we uh, when we previewed and, and talked about North Carolina earlier this season, one of the things we said was very important about about limiting North Carolina was that they rebounded forty uh, percent of their misses and put them back. Um, Wisconsin, I said, had twelve offense. Rebounds. Kentucky only had 16 rebounds on the same end of the floor, um, so it's a it's a, it was a very good performance from Wisconsin, particularly uh, on the boards. I was so impressed, as as many people have been this year, um, with the offensive performance of Frank Kaminsky. Uh, the guy gets to the rim better than than maybe any seven footer, except for probably Jolly Okafor, who, as we recall, in the first game, as I mentioned, you know had a had a nice game against Kaminsky, and he's going to look for the same. Um, but a very good performance from Wisconsin, a somewhat lackluster performance from Kentucky. Um, and here we are in the national championship game now. Uh, so I think, I've, I think I've covered the things that I wanted to, to say about them. Are you guys all good on on the Final Four and what happened on Saturday?
1: Yeah, let's get to the national championship game. Right.
0: So Monday night in the Annapolis, uh, Duke will be facing the Wisconsin Badgers for the national championship it might not be the national championship that America was looking for, uh, but I think that it is a good enough game that we'll forget about it immediately. Uh, Duke and Wisconsin obviously played earlier this year in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The game was in Madison. Duke won by 10. Um, I, have, I have a stat that I pulled up that was uh, tweeted out by Joe Giglio uh, from the News and Observer. Um, oh, you
1: got the rematches? Are you going to talk about the rematches?
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal it from you if you had it. Damn. Um, Uh, so in uh dukes played six rematch games this year and they've averaged uh over a 21 point improvement in the rematches uh including the game last night against michigan state the first game was a 10 point win the second game was a 20 point win um so yeah over 21 points a game better than than their first games duke won by 10 uh at wisconsin earlier in the season so we're looking at a 31 point no i'm not gonna say um but uh but Duke has played remarkably well in rematch games this year, uh, regardless of at least first rematches. We, we're not going to talk right. about
1: Notre Dame. I was going to say, Joe, Joe left out the Notre Dame game when, when yeah. we got, got crushed.
0: Yeah. Um, but, but that's
1: not a rematch. That's a tree a, a tree match, a tri-match. What would you call it? Well, well
0: I think we call it a rubber match, right?
1: Yeah. Right, uh, yes.
0: So, you know, regardless of whether Duke won or lost the first game, and I think that's important here, is that sometimes you talk about teams wanting revenge. Um, Wisconsin wanted revenge on Kentucky from, from last year's final four game. Um, Duke doesn't want revenge against Wisconsin. They want to beat them worse than they did the first time. uh, The way that they successfully did against Michigan state and the way that they successfully did against North Carolina, Um, you know, teams that good teams that we had already beaten once this year um, that we face again and, and played even better against. Um, So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the game plan is. I think that Wisconsin while they started the year as a very talented team um, that had brought back a lot of their pieces from a final four squad has gotten better. Um, Frank Kaminsky overtook Jaleel Okafor during conference play as the sort of generally accepted national player of the year. Okafor struggled a little bit, I think, and the offense changed to allow Winslow to do a little bit more. So I'm not sure that it, you know, it was partially on Okafor, but a lot of that was on Kaminsky and and how well he scores the ball. Um, And then they've got guys around him like, like Hayes and Decker, especially Decker last night was awesome. Um, you know, Wisconsin has size and they have the ability to score the ball, but as Jason mentioned, and, and Jason, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, Wisconsin has to be able to stop Duke's offense, which has looked pretty good recently.
1: I think the key to the game is going to be Winslow versus Decker. Um, both guys are playing as well as they played all year long. Um, and they're both causing problems on offense and defense. For for opposing teams, the the uh, the high-profile match that everyone's going to talk about is Kaminsky versus Okafor, and and yeah, I mean, God, that's going to be a great great matchup of two guys who can do so many different things on on offense to really punish you. Um, and, and I think we're all really really looking forward to it. Uh, <clears throat> I do think from a rematch standpoint, um, uh, you're going to see Kaminsky incredibly motivated to play really, really hard against Okafor because there's little question that Okafor won their matchup the last time. But Winslow versus Decker, to me, is the key to the game. Um, Decker has elevated his play so much in the NCAA tournament. It's like unbelievable. This is a guy who hit about a third of his three-pointers prior to the tournament. He's hit 15 of 30. 15 to 30, 50% in the NCAAs, including the step-back three when it was a tie game at 60 last night that broke Kentucky's back and and won that game. Frank Decker averaged um, – sorry, Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky, Sam Decker. Uh, Sam Decker averaged uh, about uh, a little less than 14 points per game in the regular season. He's averaging over 20 points per game in the NCAAs. He's playing incredible basketball, and it is going to be on Justice Winslow to – be on him every moment of the game and frustrate him. Uh, And I think that that's got to be the key to the game. I guess, you know, I I guess maybe it's possible that we'll see Matt Jones on him a little bit, but um, to me, Decker's play is what has elevated Wisconsin to where they are at this moment, you know, taking nothing away from Frank Kaminsky or anyone else like that. The other thing I want to mention is that uh, I, I think when you get elite teams like this, it comes down to matchups and styles of play and things like that. Look, Las Vegas has this game as a pick 'em. Um, I, I think most of us would agree. Uh, most of the computer models, these the statistical models, all seem to say that this is, you know, Wisconsin maybe a half-point favorite or something like that. They're all saying it's basically a 50-50 kind of game. Um, uh, but to me, uh, I, I look at what Duke does well and what Wisconsin doesn't do well. And I think that really favors Duke here. And, of course, I'm a Duke homer, so I'm going to say that. But I think Duke has an unbelievable quickness advantage on Wisconsin. Wisconsin is not a fast team. And I don't think there's going to be a single position on the floor. Maybe when Travion Jackson, who was injured for about half the year um, and was Wisconsin's starting point guard, but uh, you know now sort of comes off the bench, maybe when Travion Jackson comes in the game, Wisconsin will have someone as quick as you know, the fourth or fifth quickest Duke guy on the floor. But Wisconsin is going to be at a huge, huge quickness disadvantage in this game. Um, And Wisconsin is not a shot blocking team. And I feel like when Duke has struggled, it's because when we take the ball to the hole, teams are able to block our shots. You think about what NC State did to to stop us um, when we played them uh, and, and other teams that frustrated Duke and it was, you know, it was teams that had guys who inside could really get in your way, um, and, and Wisconsin doesn't really have anyone who's going to do that. Frank Kaminsky is not a shot blocker, um, so I, I see this game. I see the matchups really favoring Duke pretty nicely. Um, uh, so I, I'm I'm really excited about it. That said, on the post game last night, Seth Davis, Reggie Miller, and Steve Smith of CBS, the CBS analyst, all three of them picked Wisconsin. Of course. Reggie Miller and Steve Smith picked Michigan State, and that didn't work out too well for them. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I just think I, I think this shapes up really nicely for Duke, and and, and then you add in the fact that I think Wisconsin's got to be a little bit tired. They're probably due for a little bit of a down game, perhaps. Um, they have played as tough a road as anybody, um, uh, Arizona and then Kentucky, two absolute wars that they went through. Um, I think Duke will be a little more rested. Wisconsin does not have a very deep bench there guys were all playing 34, 37 minutes a game last night, uh, and, and I think I think the rematch favors Duke. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, um, but like I said, I, I think the most important thing um, is probably Kaminsky and Decker versus Okafor and Winslow, um, uh, and Wisconsin's got to win those two because there's no way Josh Glasser and Bronson Koenig are, are going to outplay um, Tyus Jones and Quinn Cook. There, there's just a 0% chance of that happening. So if you're Wisconsin, you've got to win the front line because you've got no chance of winning the guard matchup.
2: Hit it, Donald. Yeah. So, I mean, before leading up to the Michigan State game, they asked Coach K how much tape he had watched of the uh, Michigan State game from November. And he said he didn't watch a second of it. He, he didn't show the team a second of it because we were a different team uh, then, then we are now. And, and so was Michigan state. And you know what, it's the same thing is very similar, uh, for this time, for this rematch, because we played a couple weeks later in December. Um, and we're a much different team, you know, back in December, Rashid Suleiman had 14 points in 21 minutes. Matt Jones only had three points in 19 minutes and, and Grace and Al didn't play. So this time around, we obviously don't have Sheed, but we, you know, Matt Jones is starting, uh, Emile's coming off the bench, and Grayson has been playing pretty well in the tournament um, in his limited minutes, along with Marshall Plumlee stepping up as well. So we have a much different basketball team in our hands. And also in the earlier matchup on Wisconsin's side, Trayvon Jackson had 25 points. He was the one that was killing us um, early on in the game. And this time around, he's not starting. I, mean, I think against Kentucky, he only had uh, a few points. He He only played 12 minutes. Um, whereas the first game he started and played 31 minutes, Bronson Koenig is pretty much supplanted him as the go-to guy, um, in the lineup for Wisconsin. So we're seeing, well, two hey,
1: it's worth noting that Jackson only came back in the sweet 16. He missed like, uh, 15 games or something like that because of a foot injury. And what? he only started playing again in the sweet 16. Um, I, I can't imagine they're ready for him to step up and play 25 or 30 minutes a game. Uh, At this point, I don't think they want to take the ball out of Koenig's hands that much because he's played really, really well. But I I mean, does Koenig have a prayer of staying in front of Quinn Cook or Tyus Jones?
2: I don't think so. I think he's I mean, even looking last night, there was a lot of times where the Harrison twins were both just taking him, you know, taking him to the rack. And and he was not able to stay in front of him very much. It was more of the help defense um, that was helping him out and helping kind of cover him. Um, but I think that he, he's going to have his hands full with both Quinn and Tyus. Um, Tyus had a monster game against uh, Wisconsin first time around, and we need him to do the same thing. But like you said, uh, Jason, Justice Winslow is the key. Um, he didn't have a good game against Wisconsin, but at that point we hadn't seen the Justice Winslow that we have come to know and love now. Um, so I, I think he has been the X Factor first throughout this whole uh, tournament. And I don't see any reason why that won't continue uh, on Monday. But he's definitely going to uh, really take it to Sam Decker and Nigel Hayes. Um, I think he's faster than them. I think he's better than them. Um, But, you know, also um, one thing that we will have to key in on is Sam Decker. He didn't have that many points against us the first time around. And he's been on fire the last month or so, really. Um, So he is going to be – if we can cool him down – I think, you know, honestly, I think the Oka for Kaminsky matchup could be, a, you know, even Stephen Wash. Um, and if we control Sam Decker, then we can control this ballgame. But uh, Sam, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I, I like that we're highlighting the Winslow versus Decker matchup. Um, I'm not sure how much Decker is going to get guarded by Winslow as opposed to Matt Jones. Uh, you know, Decker and Nigel Hayes kind of play the same sort of 3-4 position for Wisconsin in, in their offense that that has nobody inside. Um, and. And Hayes, has, according at least uh, to their profiles, uh, Hayes has 30 pounds on Decker. So, you know, it's it's a matter of Winslow's probably a little bit of a better defender than Matt Jones is. Um, but Winslow also weighs more than Matt Jones. And, and I'm not sure if it's nominally we put Winslow on the bigger of the two forwards or if we put him on the better of the two forwards. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see how we handle that. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Duke ends up running a lot of switches on, on defense. Uh, Wisconsin likes to, likes to move it around a lot. So, you know, that the traditional Duke defense would say, we're going to let them play and we're just going to switch off and see who ends up on them. Um, so it, I, it's going to be very interesting to see how our you know forwards nominally um, match up with their forwards. So I, I like that you guys um, brought that up. Donald also brought up Tyus Jones in the first Wisconsin game. Um, and Tyus Jones won the South Regional Most Valuable Player award. I'm not sure if anybody agreed that that was actually the case. I think that Winslow was the really was the best player in the tournament. Um, you know, going into the Final Four.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I don't think Tyus has really played all that great since the SEC yeah, tournament.
0: I want to see. I want to see Tyus Jones. You know, break down Wisconsin's guards the way that he did in that first game. I think that if there's one thing that we can definitely take from that first game as. You know, this is a weakness to exploit. Tyus is going to be going up, as you guys mentioned. Um, Trayvon Jackson's not playing nearly as much. Bronson Koenig uh, does not have Trayvon Jackson's quickness. So if he couldn't, if, if Trayvon Jackson couldn't contain Tyus Jones the first time, um, what is he going to do against, what is Bronson Koenig going to do against him the second time? Uh, I look for Tyus Jones to have a big game along with Quinn Cook. I think that, Jason, as you pointed out, uh, Duke's guards are are better than Wisconsin's guards. They're better at scoring the ball. They're better at defending them. Um, and that's, that's where the win is going to have to start. We also mentioned that, you know, Suleman's not playing in this game, obviously. Um, he was a big factor for us against Wisconsin the first time. Um, you know, I, I look for Matt Jones and, and Grayson Allen to maybe, you know, contribute the way that, that Rashid Suleiman did in the first game. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Grayson didn't even play in the first game. And now he's become, as you said, a, a key part of the team. He had the highlight of the game last night uh, against Michigan State. So um, I think it's going to be a great game. I think that Wisconsin may have an advantage scoring the ball in the front court. I think Duke's got the advantage in the back court, um, and and we're we're going to see a fun basketball game. Wisconsin is obviously playing with with all the confidence in the world right now um, after taking out a a Kentucky team that was really good. Uh, so we'll see if if it translates to uh, them being tired on Monday. Um, there might be a little bit of that because I know that uh, those Wisconsin fans like to. Like to party and they, and they like to have a good time and and I'm curious to know how that Wisconsin team is feeling this morning um, after that game against Kentucky. That's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to see sort of how they come out. Donald, what do you did you want to add something?
2: Yeah. So uh, after our game last night, um, uh, Tracy Wilson was asking Tyus Jones uh, about our small rotation and how tired they were and if they'd have enough left in the tank for Monday. And he goes, "Oh yeah." if, you know, if you don't have enough in the tank for a game like that, you shouldn't be playing basketball. And I thought that was perfect because all year they've been taught, we've been talking about, will this, you know, shortened rotation catch up to us in the end? And here we are at the end and it it doesn't seem to have caught up with us. So uh, I, and also, you know, you know, there's going to be something to be said about last game. And, you know, honestly for, for us, there's four to five players. Whose last game could be Monday. Um, and we all know about Quinn. Um, and then there's the obvious freshman that uh, may or may not go. Also on the other side, Frank Comiskey is, is a senior. It's his last game. So we're going to see teams that know that no matter what, they don't have to play on Tuesday. And so I think that plays into our advantage because we have enough in the tank to go 40, 50 minutes of just, you know, blazing, you know, basketball. And I'm not sure if wisconsin has the juice to do that um we'll see on monday obviously but I, I think that uh it being the last game of the college basketball season and the fact that we have been playing basically tired for two months now um and it it doesn't seem to slow us down we have an opportunity to do something really special and i think that all our all our guys will be locked in today and tomorrow and when we come out i think you're gonna see a team that's gonna be just forty minutes of just all hustle, and I think that's what you want in a national championship game.
1: Jason, hey, hey, you know, I, you I know. was gonna say Don- Donald, you you mentioned you know guys playing their last game. I was reflecting when the starting lineup was announced, and I know I'm not saying anything that people don't already know, but the starting lineups were announced. We start three freshmen and a sophomore. Guys, I can't wait till these guys are upperclassmen. Can you imagine how good we're going to be in two years? Going to such a
0: force as a junior. Oh
1: man. It's going to be really fun.
0: It's to play defense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, we're we going to do player of the game. Should we do players of the game?
0: Uh, yeah, let's do player of the game. And then and then if there were any, any funny thoughts from the weekend, I feel like there were a lot of interesting things that happened. But yeah, let's do player of the game. Uh, I'll give it to Donald first. Who was your player of the game for Duke against Michigan State?
2: Uh, there are certainly a lot of choices. Uh, in the end, I went with Justice Winslow. He was a phenomenal beast last night. Um, as was uh shout-out to Jaleel Okifer and Quinn Cook as well. And also, I'm going to give a special shout-out to Grayson Allen for the absolute yam of the century uh, when he dunked it over people. And you know, just the entire, you know, the entire bar that I was at went nuts. And I and I and they had flashed to the uh, Michigan State sideline. And all of them were, like, basically saying, him? Like, now he's beating us like this? And it was just basically – the Michigan State killer. Um, so my player of the week, Justice Winslow, but special shout-out to Grayson Allen. All right, Jason, let's hear it.
1: Yeah, I also went with Justice Winslow. Um, 19 points on only seven field goal attempts. is pretty darn efficient. Uh, hit his free throws really nicely. You know, more than 80 percent of his free throws obviously he was doing the job on the boards. He was getting steals, uh, you know, a, a, an outstanding game. But there, there are several different guys you could have mentioned. I, I want to give a quick shout out. Oh, by the way, you know, regarding Grayson Allen, Donald makes a great point uh, about a nice game that Grayson had. Um, this team has changed. Um, Grayson Allen's role tremendously when he's in the game, especially you know he comes in a lot when you know maybe justice comes out because um, Grayson's part of that second unit. You know last time it's Grayson, uh, Emil Jefferson, and Marshall Plumley in together, um, and uh, and as a result we we don't have quite as much offensive firepower on the floor, and it feels like. This team is looking to Grayson Allen to be the guy to take the ball to the basket, to create on offense and sort of be our, our offensive generator when he's in the game, which is, uh, you know, such a stark different role from him from what we saw a couple months ago. Um, but the guy I wanted to give the special shout out to is Emil Jefferson, who had seven rebounds, second highest rebounding total on on the team um, in, in you know, somewhat limited minutes compared to Justice Winslow, who led the team in rebounds. Um, Jefferson, I thought, uh, you know, has been Become the Forgotten man for Duke but when you play Michigan State, the most important thing you need to do is rebound the ball because Michigan State lives, breathes, uh, you know, does everything they can on the boards. They are a physical team inside trying to get rebounds. And Emil Jefferson um, had seven rebounds and that was really important. So my, my player of the game is Justice Winslow um, props to Emil Jefferson for, for finding an important role for himself. and if Frank Kaminsky's having a big game, um, I won't be at all surprised to see Emil Jefferson get chances against him in the national championship game. Sam,
0: actually, that's a really good point that that um, Emil Jefferson could be could be focused on Kaminsky if he's if he's forced to come in and play a lot of defense. Um,
1: I, I I make a good point about once every three weeks, so that's my one. I,
0: I, I think that that was your one right there. So enjoy it. Um, it's not a clean sweep this week. I'm going with with Jaleel Okafor. Uh, you know we've. We we've said that throughout the tournament and in the last few weeks, uh, his role has felt a little bit diminished. I think that um, you know you can see that not just in watching the games, but also uh, when when folks are looking ahead at the NBA draft, a lot of people now are saying, "Well, what about Carl Anthony Towns as the number one pick?" Jaleel Okafor yesterday against Michigan State, a team that loves to defend you inside, um, Jalil Okafor looked really solid. Um, he made a lot of nice baskets. He had he had the one putback slam uh, early in the game that that felt like it shifted them. Momentum towards Duke. Um, I love seeing him playing with confidence against a team that loves to be physical. Um, We know that that Okafor's you know big big issue this year has been the free throw shooting. He didn't look great shooting the free throws last night. He made one that that took about six bounces off the rim before it actually went in. Um, But he was strong with the ball going to the hoop. I think that um, that's that's a thing that that has to scare any team that's playing us. Uh, Even a, a team as good as Wisconsin, if Jaleel Okafor is able to to create offense the way that he did last night um it sets everybody up to play I think the best way that Duke knows how to play um so I'm I'm going with Okafor I I really like the performance from him I think that you know Justice Winslow may have had a better game um but what we saw from Okafor especially in the first half was really encouraging uh and makes me feel really good about what he's going to look like against Wisconsin um but I liked all the all the Shout outs you guys made about about the different players this week I did have a thing to add sort of before we wrap up here and um, I'll let anybody else chime in with with their thoughts uh, there was a point late in the Kentucky Wisconsin game last night uh, and I can't remember if it was Lyles or towns who uh, smashed one of the one of the Wisconsin dudes in the face uh, and then the refs went and looked at it uh, and decided not to call a, a flagrant on it uh and chris bunn who's one of the who's one of the guys at at 247 sports with uh with that you know friend of dbr adam rowe uh had, had tweeted if kentucky wins this game seriously kentucky never gets to bitch about the stomp ever again in reference to uh christian Leitner stepping on a
2: aminu timberlake uh man was that a missed call or what yeah they didn't <laughs> even call a foul on it yeah it wasn't even like oh it was a common foul or anything like that they didn't call anything on that and And and, the thing is, they weren't even going to review it until Bo Ryan basically removed his head from his body and was like, you need to review this play. And I don't know what they saw um, on their monitors, because the monitors I was looking at, uh, it was a clear elbow and and it wasn't intentional. Um, It wasn't, you know, but it also wasn't an accident. Like he he knew he was trying to, you know, remove uh, the Wisconsin player from him and he basically elbowed him in the face. We've we've seen people get kicked out of college basketball games for less than that. So I figured that the worst, it, 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 the mo- at the least, it'd be a uh, flagrant one um, for excessive, uh, you know, excessive force um, to the hand to the head of, a, of an <laughs> opposing player. But uh, yeah, I was very shocked that there was no call on that. And yeah, they, I mean, they really can't, or they're not going to be bitching about that now. They're going to be talking about. Uh, what could have been, and what could have been, uh, we are going to be living on Monday. And
0: they're all going to be at the tattoo parlors uh, this morning, removing their 40-0 national champions uh, tattoos that we saw a lot of pictures of on Twitter. Yeah. Um, the other- yeah,
1: hey, 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 guys. Um, so you, you all know I have a uh, I have a friend uh, on email who is a NCAA official, um, and who gives me sort of you know the inside scoop and and whenever there's a controversial we're going play, we're
0: going inside refs with Jason now.
1: Yes. Whenever. There's- controversial play the the immediate email is sent to him to say hey dude what do you uh what'd you think of this one um he he said the rest were gutless to not call a flagrant foul in, in that situation he said it was obviously clearly no question about it at least a flagrant one um it didn't look intentional enough i think to be a flagrant two but um uh he he made you know really really hard contact with a dude's face And um, had they called the flagrant one, I don't think the Kentucky fans would have been up in arms and upset about it. It it, it was a very justifiable, legitimate call. Um, I I, I do think you will see Kentucky fans complaining bitterly about the shot clock violation that essentially wasn't called about a minute later. But I consider those two things to have balanced each other out. Kentucky didn't take the harsh penalty of a flagrant one. Wisconsin then got um, the Nigel Hayes put back with zero seconds probably less than zero seconds <laughs> on the shot clock, um, uh, which is which was the point that tied the game right before uh, um, Decker hit the three to to give Wisconsin the lead. Um, so I think those sort of balance each other out. Um, and and the little sort of funny, amusing thing that I'm going to tell everyone to go look for, um, Darren Ravel of ESPN. Did you guys see this Everyone's picture he posted on Darren Twitter? ESPN. <laughs> what was that?
0: Everyone's favorite Darren Ravel of ESPN.
1: Yes, he posted a picture on Twitter uh, from the pregame of Jalil Okafor palming a basketball. I mean, we all know Jalil's hands are huge. It looks like he's holding on to a grapefruit. Um, His hands are absurdly, stupidly crazy large. And the announcers, by the way, could not talk enough about that. I couldn't believe Jalil's grabbing rebounds with one hand. He's a freak. He is a freak. Um, But folks, you need to go look at this picture on Darren Ravel's Twitter feed of Jalil palming a basketball the way you or I would eat an apple. It's just, it's ridiculous.
0: Um, the other thing I wanted to add, and and yeah, I, I saw that picture too, uh, and it was awesome. I, I, Rachel Nichols had a good comment about it too, and I, and now I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but uh, the other thing that I wanted to point out from last night, there was a great vine that I showed Donald this morning of the Wisconsin team at their hotel uh, getting cheered on by the Wisconsin faithful who were like waiting in the lobby area. Um, Yeah. Oh my
1: God. They're like a thousand people in that lobby.
0: Yeah. If if you haven't seen it, um, do a Twitter search and just search for Wisconsin hotel and you, it will come up immediately. Um, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, you know, regardless of what happens in the game on Monday, those Wisconsin fans showed out big, uh, for their team on Saturday night. They were, they were loud in the building. They had their, their jump around at the end, the, the fifth quarter, I think they call it. Um, uh, which is what they, or that's what they call it for football, at least. Um, and then, yeah, they, the 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 student or the cheering section they had at the hotel after the game was monstrous and awesome. Uh, I don't know if if a, if the Duke fan base could even do that. Like, I don't know if there are enough Duke fans uh, to make that happen the way that 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 the Wisconsin fans did it. Uh, so that was my stuff. Did you guys have anything to add, sort of, to you know any of any of the things we saw yesterday from the Final Four? Um, Kentucky tears. You know, if there were any more Kentucky tears to drink. Um, you you can certainly throw those out now.
2: <laughs> I, I I don't have any. Their tears taste delicious. I had, I had a bunch of it last night and and probably some tomorrow. So um, yeah, it was great. Jason,
0: any kosher for Passover uh, with uh, Kentucky tears?
1: <laughs> no, I'm done bashing on Kentucky. They they have to drown their sorrows, uh, knowing that they were yet another team that uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda, and didn't. Um, and then they have to sit there and watch. If you're a command, who you're rooting for? You know, I guess you're rooting for Wisconsin, the team that beat you. But, but uh, oh my gosh, how difficult must it be to, to either be you know the hated team that knocked you off or Duke, who uh, you know you hate the passion of five thousand fiery hot suns. Hey guys, before we go, here's what I'd like to do. Um, let's each give our score prediction. Um, Donald, go first. What's your score prediction for Monday? Ooh, score prediction.
2: I will go. 81-74 to the good guys. Sam? It's going to be a high-scoring game,
0: I think. Uh, I'm going to go Duke 85, Wisconsin
1: 77. See, I think um, Duke's defense really carried the day. Uh improved defense. I think it's not as high-scoring a game. Uh, I'm going Duke 74, Wisconsin 66. Um, but all of us have picked a game that's really not that close of a nail biper um, and it sounds like if we're in Vegas we're we would probably be putting money all. on the devils yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make it sound respectful. Are, 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 are we college basketball experts first or Duke fans first? I think we're Duke fans first
0: yeah. um, I, I, I was I was recently uh, enjoying our our iTunes reviews uh, and someone pointed out they were like they were like, I love the podcast. It's totally biased, but I love it <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen. If, if that's the summary of us that that exists on the internet, then I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, it would be great to be a you know respected college basketball analyst, but I'd rather just be a respected crazy Duke fan because um, that that's really what I am at heart. We'll, uh, we'll Amen. Um, I think we've got everything. I, I, I did want to note that I uh, so I'm here in, in Washington today. Um, tomorrow morning I'm I'm headed to Indianapolis to go to the game. I'll be representing for the podcast there. Uh, so I, I don't know what we're gonna do about recording. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to talk about that later. Um, but I did want to give a shout out to my buddies who were at the game last night, um, who I called immediately after the our game and said, "All right, go find all the Michigan State fans and buy all their tickets." Because um, we I didn't have a ticket to the game yet until until late last night. Um, so shout out to my buddies who who managed to get me a seat for the game on Monday, much below the 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 market would indicate on StubHub. Um, so I'll be there in Indy uh, tomorrow night, uh, ready to watch the game. Uh, you guys I guess will we'll still be in your in your respective normal places where you record um, so we'll uh, we'll determine I think later today and we'll post on the forum exactly what our plan is for recording. Um, this podcast is getting recorded Sunday morning. We'll post it later today I think um, so that folks can have time to listen to it before the um, before the national championship uh, game on Monday night and we'll do a, we'll do a season recap one way or the other after the game. Um, I think that we'll probably do, you know, a a game and national championship recap immediately after or or the next morning. And then probably the following weekend kind of talk more about the season and see all the things that we um, that we looked at throughout the at the throughout the course of the season, you know, dating back to October. Um, Does that sound like a good plan to you guys? So that works for me. Yeah. Um, Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. The bottom line, the last thing I want to say before you sign off. Do it. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but but it's worth mentioning again. There are 351 teams in college basketball. 351 teams, in Division One. 351 teams. Only two of them left playing basketball. And how fortunate, how lucky, how much hard work, how much skill does it take to be one of those two teams? I, I, I just I, I feel so happy for these guys and happy for us as fans that we get to experience this. 349 teams are done we are still playing
0: and uh, and Ken Pomeroy always tweets after after any any uh, uh, undefeated team finally loses he, he always posts a tweet that just says uh, however many unbeatens left so last night it was zero unbeatens and then he says sorry to whoever lost so it was last night it was zero unbeatens sorry Kentucky and that's the tweet that we've been waiting for all season uh, you know ours obviously came all the way back in January Virginia's not long after that. And Kentucky, Kentucky was, the, uh, was the last one to go down, but we finally got it. Um, so looking ahead to the game tomorrow night, we're very excited. Uh, thank you for tuning in and, and, and listening to us. Um, we will be back with you soon with a review of whatever happens in that game. And um, so looking ahead to the game, and let's let the Duke marching band take us out. For Donald Wine and Jason Evans, I'm Sam Klein. This is the Duke Basketball Report podcast.
2: Go, Duke.